So, all right, well, uh, let's open our Bibles. I invite you, if you have your Bible, uh, John chapter 13. If you have your sermon notes, pull those out, uh, and, and we'll jump in a little bit. All right, so John 13, we're in a series called One Another, and we've been talking about serving one another and talking about praying with one another, which we talked about last week, and today I'm going to talk about loving one another. Okay, so we talked about serving, talked about praying, today's about loving. All right, John 13, 33 through 35, that's our main passage that I want to unpack here. John writes this, records some of Jesus' words, and Jesus says this. He says in verse 33, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Then he makes this powerful statement, and he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He says it again. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the Greek word agapeo, you've heard it pronunciated agape, uh, simply means to regard, to regard the welfare of, okay, to consider the well-being of another person. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying when I say this to you, okay? This is really important. In English, we use the word love all the time. I love football, I love soccer, I love this whatever, I love nachos, I love Mexican food, I don't know why my mind's on Mexican food, but um, you know, I, I love these things, I love the Lord, I love you, I love my child. So we use it in different contexts. So in Greek language, there's three that are primarily used in scripture you'll find, and agapeo is one of those, or you hear the term agape. And this is the word, when Jesus says, I command you to love one another, this is the, the way in which he means it, to regard the welfare of. Now, that's really important because I want to give you three definitions of this. So in your sermon notes, follow along. But I want to explain what it means to regard the welfare of. So I'll tell you kind of a story in a sense. I want you to imagine a person goes overboard, goes overboard on a ship. What, what are you supposed to do when a person goes overboard? Try to save them. You, you, you throw out some kind of life preserver or something that they could grab a hold of to pull them back in. And if that doesn't work, you'll see, you know, you jump in if you can, right, type of thing, and help them to grab a hold of you so you can pull them to safety. What agapeo does not do is let you drown. Now, now, now listen, you got to know who he's, he's also going to be addressing. We're going to talk about this, and I want you to hear the heart of this. There is an addressing here today that I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to, to address you as the church, not just as brave local body church, but as to believers in the room, to followers in the room, who, of course, God would call his body, the bride of Christ, that he has an addressing here to the body of believers, you don't let one another drown. Now, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind when we talk about this word agape or agape. Okay, so write this in your, write this in your notes, defining agape. Agape doesn't watch you drown spiritually or physically. It's into regard of the welfare of. So that means the body of Christ when, when Jesus commands to love one another, to love one another simply means to 
to have regard for your physical being and your spiritual being. Now, I've mentioned this to you before, and it's important that you get this. You are a spirit before you're a body. You were thought of before the physical wiring of you happened. That's what the psalm writes, right? That God thought of you and knew you before you were in the womb. So you are spirit before you are physical, but I want you to understand there are two sides to you, and some would say three, soul, spirit, body, or soul, spirit. But for now, we'll just use the word spirit, okay? Or you could say soul is fine, right? A soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. There is this part of you, so you're a spirit that has a physical body to it. And both are important. And so he says, you love both. And I care for both, and I have regard for both your physical and your spiritual side. I don't want to see you drown spiritually, and I don't want to see you drown physically. Now, imagine a church that loves one another like that. Okay. We wouldn't be handing out Skittles to everybody, but let's move on. Seriously. Okay, we've got to move on, but do you... You think about what I'm saying to you. Do you know what's in a Skittle? No. Okay. Number two, agape is based more on a choice than an emotion. Right, this will preach for all the Christians in the room. Agape is based more on a choice than an emotion. Okay, how do, why do I say that? Look at Matthew 5.44. Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So he's talking about some relationship the way it is in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And then he says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you get? In other words, as believers, there should be a difference in the way you love one another. Now watch this. Jesus is teaching about the character of the citizens of the kingdom of God. There's a character nature in us as followers of Christ. And we should expect the character to be different than the world. In the world, you love those who love you. You, you befriend people who can offer you something to help you climb up on the social ladder. We call it political or politics in certain work environments or in organizations. You befriend in order to receive. Well, that's easy. But, but how do you love when it's your enemy? Someone who's literally against you, and he says this is the way it operates in the kingdom of God. And he's calling to a higher standard to love one another. So this is a choice. It's not based on emotion. Let me say it to you this way. God never commanded you to like everyone. Now somebody say amen. Come on, that's an amen right there. You are not commanded to like everyone. If that excites you today, say amen. amen. I don't have to like all of you. Amen. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't. I don't have to like all of you. Some of you I just won't like, and that's just the way it is. Okay. And you don't have to like me. All right? You feel more free? You don't have to like me either. And I don't have to like you. But I am commanded to love you. Do you see that? My point is, it's not an emotional thing. It's a decision I make. So when you agapeo somebody, it's a choice. It's not an emotion. 
well, I don't like them. Doesn't matter. You're not exempt because it's a choice. It's not based on whether or not you can be buddy-buddy with them. I want you to see what this word means, okay? I'll give you a third one. Number three, agape is a choice to unconditionally, no conditions, and righteously, that's important, seek both the spiritual and physical well-being of another. The reason righteously is in there is I want you to understand the word righteous means to be right with God. So when you really agapeo someone, you care about their physical and spiritual well-being in regards to their righteousness and to their rightness with God. So you care about people in the body of Christ and how their relationship with God is doing or lack thereof. Unconditionally, regardless of who you are, where there's a, there's a regard for your well-being. I heard it said that agape is kind of like braces. How many of you had braces when you were a kid? Your braces, okay? And braces, uh, we know this, are not comfortable. But the purpose of the brace is to straighten your teeth out, to make them more healthier. But they pinch your gums and all kinds of stuff, and sometimes you have to put that thing up in your mouth, the palate bar, you know, put that key, and you push it back, and it widens your mouth out. Sometimes you have to go to an oral surgeon, get teeth removed. Sometimes it's, it hurts, there's a little pain to it, a little discomfort to it, but it's all for the purpose of straightening your teeth. Well, the same is true with agapeo. When people love one another in a spiritual way and care about your spirit, that means this, that means this. In the body of Christ, there will be times it gets a little uncomfortable in our conversations. But if I really love you as your pastor, and if you really love one another, every once in a while, this is going to be a hard conversation. It might be a little tightening and stuff. I might have to mess with your heart a little bit. Might have to get back into the past of your childhood a little bit. That's going to be a little uncomfortable. I don't want to have to go there. Well, then you're going to live with some crooked teeth for the rest of your life until you allow someone to come in, apply some braces to your soul so we can straighten this thing out. Some of us are like, we don't want braces. That's too expensive. That costs too much. That costs too much. I'm going to have to go deep into something I don't want to touch because it's too painful. Agapeo's like braces. It's not afraid to tap into something that causes a little pain, but it's all for the purpose of getting you more healthy because it's in regard to your well-being. Amen. Okay, so this is what Jesus is talking about. Now that we have a better understanding of what it means when we say love. You know what's amazing in scripture, by the way? See, you could read that verse and say, love one another and miss everything I just taught you. Okay, that's why I'm here, to help you understand. All right, here we go. Verse 35, I wanna focus on this verse of John 13. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That means not all of you will. You have a choice. See, there's the choice if you don't have to love one another. You can let everybody drown if you want to, but don't be mad at us when we let you drown too. Okay, let's move on. Well, that's not love, I guess, is it? Okay. All right. Write this in your notes. Our love for God is revealed by our love for one another. Jesus said, here's how people will know if you're my disciple. The way you love other people. So that means our love for God is revealed by our love for one another. 
Right? That's the way people are going to know whether or not you're a real disciple of Christ by the way you care for the physical and spiritual well-being of other believers. That's the way we know if you're a disciple or not. It's not a class. You can't go back, well, when I was 16, I took a discipleship class and I graduated, I'm a disciple. I read the Bible every day. That's good. But that's not how Jesus said I'm gonna measure discipleship. The way the world's gonna know if you're a disciple is how you actually care for the physical and spiritual well-being of others. Okay, watch this. When was the last time you called a friend out on their sin? There's an indicator of discipleship. Now, I didn't say beat somebody up about their sin. Remember what Jesus said, pull the plank out of your own eye before you go try to remove it from somebody else. Now some of you need to make a phone call to somebody and say, hey, I'm sorry, I actually got the same plank as you do. The point is, real love, yeah, corrects. Real love disciplines, the scripture says. Why? Because I want your soul to be healthy. And I want you to have a right standing relationship with the Father in heaven. Okay, and this is how the world's supposed to know that we love one another. All right, so let me give you a couple of things. It's not, I want you to know this, how much we love those on the outside and I, I hear, I know Christians talk about that all the time. We've got to love everyone, love everyone. Yes, we want to love everyone, that's true. But this is not addressing, and I'll show you in just a minute why I say that to you. This is not addressing those on the outside. It's not addressing as much as those on the inside of the house of God. I'll show you that, okay? I've given you a list on your notes. I'm gonna read them all to you. There's 36 of them. There's 59 all in the New Testament of one another. There's 59 one another's in the New Testament, but some of those are repeated so I've selected, I've got 36 of them here for you, okay? What the New Testament says about how we should treat one another, all right? Are you ready? I'm gonna read the list. Wash one another's feet. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, be patient with one another, speak the truth in love. Now, I want you to pause right there. I'll start number 14, 15. Okay. In all of those scripture verses I'm showing you, these are letters to churches. So I want you to see again as I say these, this is how you're supposed to treat one another, not on Sunday, but within the body of Christ, in the fellowship of disciples. Okay, let's go on. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourself. Look to the interest of one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Stir up, that means to provoke or stimulate one another to love and good works. Show hospitality to one another. Actually, can we go, I'm just gonna go back to this one. Speak to know one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. They just had this revelation. You know what that means? Every once in a while, if you sit next to the same person in church and they never sing, every once in a while you should, hey, why don't you start singing a little bit? You're laughing. 
I'm just, I'm just reading to you what the text says. Because you care about their spiritual well-being. Now watch this. That means if a person never once sings, responds, or anything, every once in a while, if you're a really good disciple, you should ask them, are you okay? Are you all right? How are you doing? Care for one another. Okay? Show hospitality to one another. Employ the gifts that God has given you for the benefit of one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. Do not lie to one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. These are the do nots. Watch this. Do not lie to one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you'll be destroying each other. Let us not be conceited, provoking and envying each other. Do not slander one another. Do not grumble against each other. Okay. Whew. Okay, how many of you guys would love to be a part of a church like that? No complaining, no gossip. Everybody loves me, cares for me, shares me. This is awesome. How many love to be a part? How many of that sounds like a perfect church? That's like, man, that sounds like a really good church. Okay. Each and every week I ask you to, to this is not rhetorical. And how many really and if you don't want to be part of a church that does what I did that whole list you're like no no I'd rather be part of a gossiping church complaining church grumbling church fighting church that's the kind of church for me okay sounds good don't lift your hand but if the, the list I just read to you you think that sounds like a pretty cool church raise your hand much better okay and some of you still didn't which has <laughs> Sounds good. You're at the right place because we're going to gossip about you all the time and you'll fit right in. Um, okay, sounds good, right? I mean, that sounds great. Care for one another, wash each other's feet. This is awesome. A loving community. The question then comes, but is it really possible? I mean, how do you pull that off? How, how do you pull off all these one another's? In fact, a lot of you are looking for churches with all these one another's. And you want to be part of a community with all these one another's. How do you pull that off, though? Is it possible to pull that off? I believe that it is, and I want to show it to you. Leviticus 19, 18. The law writes this in the Torah. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is an Old Testament writing. We'll call it the Old Covenant. What's interesting is in John 13, 33, and 34, and 35, Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new command. There was a command in Leviticus but now I'm giving you a new command. What's so new about it? 34 says, a new command I give you. Here's the new command. Now watch it. It's right here in the text. A new command I give you. Love one another. Not as yourself, but as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Write this in your sermon notes. Here's the difference. The difference between the new and the old, or the old and the new, is as yourselves and as I have loved you. Did you see it? That's the difference. 
In the old, it's as you love yourself. In the new, it's as I have loved you. In other words, you've got a model of this now. Jesus is that model. Now you're to love one another the way that I loved you. It's a new command. Key truth, write this in. God's way of loving, I want you to see this. This is where I said it's possible, can be ours. A new command I give you, love each other the way I have loved you. That means you can love the way he loves. Now you say, well, how in the world am I gonna pull that off? How do I love the way that Jesus loved? How is this possible? I wanna show it to you. First John, the same writer, writes this in John chapter four. First John, his letter, chapter four, verses nine through 12. Ready? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, he says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, here it is, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Here's what this verse tells us, where our love for Jesus comes from. Your love for the Lord and my love for the Lord comes from him, his love for us. All right, key truth, write this in. Our love for God is in response to his love for us. I'm gonna show you something with this, and this is so important that we get this. It's in response to his love for us. The only reason why we love the Lord is because we first acknowledge his love for us. Our love for him comes as a result of his love for us. I'm gonna show you how that goes with one another in just a second. He continues to write in verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. So the spirit of Christ, remember I told you we're spirit and physical, his spirit comes and lives in you and now you've got his spirit with your body. Because your old spirit jacked up. You don't care about anybody but yourself. And you won't jump in that water if it's gonna potentially cost you your life. And you'll let people drown around you all day long, even people in your own family. But with his spirit, you're jumping in. You're having hard conversations because you love them. That's what his spirit will do to you. All right, so the spirit comes and lives in us. And look what verse 14 says. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Key verse, verse 15. If anyone acknowledges, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you should highlight that word. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Now, that's a key verse. The word acknowledge has to be extracted there. You cannot miss the meaning of that word acknowledge because ultimately whatever acknowledge means means that that's what allows God to come live inside of me and I also live in him. 
So if I want to carry his spirit inside of me, I've got to acknowledge him. At least that's our English word that we use, acknowledge, depending on what translation you read. This word in Greek means to agree with one another. To say the same thing as, watch this, to say the same thing as to be in full agreement with one another. You ever had a child, if you, you know, two in the family, have a child come up to one and, uh, and, and ask you, hey, can I go outside and play? And parent says no. Can I have dessert tonight? Parent says no. And then what do they do? Come on. Go to another parent, right? Somebody else. Hey, uh, just curious, can I go, you care if I go outside? And what they're really seeing is, is what? Who's, in, who's the weak one? But also, I'm trying to test whether or not they're in agreement. And something really powerful happens when I come back to my children, I say, what did mom say? See, and they're like, how did you know I already went to mom? Because I know. So then, what did mom say? Well, mom, mom said, no. Well, we are in agreement with one another. So that's the answer. Yeah, but then they'll say, what do you say? And I'll say, we are in agreement with one another. We're in agreement. We, we move together in this way. We operate together in this way. You cannot divide us. We are together in this. You follow me? Okay. You may know something, by the way, without being in agreement with it. You can know a lot of things without having an agreement with it. You can be aware of something and not be in agreement with it. That's why you got to understand this word is not acknowledged in the, in the sake of acknowledging his existence. That's knowledge. That is not what it means. I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't know why they write the word acknowledge because it can be misinterpreted. Oh, if I just acknowledge him there, then he lives in me. No, I have to be in agreement with who he is and what he says. It's different. Okay? We must agree with God about who Jesus is. And we find out what God says about Jesus through the word of God. So since we agree with his spirit, his spirit lives in us. We are in agreement with one another, if you would. Okay, almost finished. Watch this, verse 16 of 1 John 4. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is the love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us. Who's us? The body of Christ. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. So loving one another the way that Jesus loved is humanly impossible. But what is impossible for man is made possible with God. Because Christ's death, resurrection, his spirit was made alive and available to be in us, which then enables us to love the way that he loved. Write this down. When we are in agreement with the Holy Spirit, his concerns become our concerns and his ways become our ways. When we are in agreement with the Holy Spirit, that means we operate together. He operates through us. We operate in agreement. And you say, well, how do I know when I have that Holy Spirit inside of me? It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's when you become concerned about the things that concern him. 
Now let me ask you a question. A person who's in sin, meaning they're separated from the Lord, I'm not talking about, you know, struggling to sin occasionally. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, deeply embedded in sin, habitual sin, okay? Does that concern the heart of the Father? You're, okay, three of you agree, that means the rest of you are unsure, and that's okay, I'm gonna tell you yes. Now I've given you the answer. Let's try it again. Does a struggling, uh, sinful person who is separated from the relationship with the Father in heaven concern him? Exactly. And so it should concern you. And if it doesn't, ask God to fill you with his spirit. Even consider whether or not you actually have a relationship with God at all. In other words, have you really acknowledged him? Change a better word. Are you in agreement with him? God, when I see other Christians, when I see other people who are in sin, it doesn't bother me at all. God, am I in agreement with you? You know what he's going to say? No. And that should concern you. So the body of Christ is to be in agreement with the Father in heaven. And when in agreement, his concerns become our concerns. And his ways of loving others become our ways of loving others. Amen? So it leaves one question. Invite, if you could, come up, Andrews, for just a minute. Um, This question I'm going to ask you is a question you're going to hear more often. It's a question you're going to see us ask more often. And And this question is incredibly, incredibly important. I mean, it's really incredibly important. Um, Because it will change everything about your life. Can you, this is a little, can you dim the lights on me just a little bit? Uh, And there's a reason for just if you're able to, great. This question becomes so important. Thank you. I wanted to see your faces a little bit. Um, the way you answer this question determines this is why it's so important to me whether or not God lives in you if you're saved salvation your right standing with God is based on the question I'm about to ask you His concerns are my concerns. I love him. And I only love him because I understand his love for me. And so, I'm concerned about all of you. And I want to ensure all of you know his love for you. So I'm going to ask you the question. And based on how you answer this question, will ultimately determine whether or not God lives inside of you. And it is 100% a choice. All right, here's the question. Do you agree that Jesus is who he said he was? 
say yes to that, it changes your whole life. If he was just a man who one day lived and died, doesn't change anything. But if you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, let me remind you who he said he was. He said he's the one who created, what's that big bright thing that shines in your eyes in Florida? He made that. According to Jesus, he made that. That should be the best salvation question ever right there. You believe that? Do you believe that? Now don't, do you believe that? According to him, he created that. How many of you have a brother or sister? Okay, put your hands down. I want you to imagine for a moment, your sibling comes to you one day and says, hey, Bobby, we'll go with Bobby. I know we've been living together, shared some bunk beds for a while. You know, your brother Bobby. And I uh, just want to tell you something. And, and he tells you this when he's 30. He's about 30 years of age. You live with him for a long time. He's got a decent job. He's not married. He's not married. He works construction. And Bobby comes to you one day and says, Hey, Johnny. Your name is Johnny. Bobby tells Johnny, hey, Bobby, hey, Johnny, sorry, Bobby, Johnny, all right, hey, Bobby, hey, Johnny, uh, can I tell you something? Johnny says, what? Bobby says, see that big, bright thing up there? I made that. Now, how many of you would say, you finally lost it? Your sister. Now, just put, put your sister, put your brother in your mind, comes to you and says that, you would say, they've lost it. Are you joking? And then they'd say, no, 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 I'm not joking. In fact, I'll go a step further. I made you before you were ever even born. And in a few days, I'm going to die. They're going to hang me. They're going to persecute me. They're going to slap me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to mock me. And you're thinking to yourself, what? Oh, but don't worry. Johnny. Because three days after that, I'm going to come up from a grave. At that point in time, how many of you, go ahead, Think about your brother or sister calls you on the phone from another state and tells you all of this. How many of you are thinking you have lost your mind, get their children away from them, this person has lost it? Every one of you. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be resurrected from the grave. And then I'm going to ascend to heaven. And one day I'm going to come back. And I'm going to take all humanity who follow me with me. 
brother of Jesus is convinced. What would it take you to be convinced that your own brother or sister was God? James was. John was. Peter was. Paul was. And so on and so on and so on for thousands of years to come. Christianity is still spreading based off of this question. I believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And if you believe that, game changer. His spirit comes and lives in you and it changes everything about your life. But it's all based off that question. Final thought. The result of God's love in us is our love for one another. If there's a desire in your heart to say, man, it'd be great to be part of a family who does all of that. A home that does all that list. Just look at the list. It's there. We want to bear with one another, care for one another, share with one another, wash each other's feet, care for, love one another, care for one another, love one another, care for all of those things, all those one another's. You say, how do I have, how do I get that into my home? How do we get that into our church? How, how do we have all those one another's? It all begins with having God's love in you. When God loves you, you begin to love him and you become the care about what he cares about, be concerned about what he concerns about, and then all of a sudden you begin to love one another. The point is, you can't have all the other one another's without the one one another, which is love one another. Without love, it's hopeless. And the reason why you struggle, by the way, oftentimes in life, and people struggle, and I struggle loving one another, is because you forget about God's love for you. If you're ever in a position where you struggle loving someone else, Just think about the way God loves you. Some of you don't know how much God loves you. And I want to tell you, he, Jesus, said the reason he went to that cross, according to Jesus, according to him, 2,000 plus years ago, the reason he was doing that, according to him, was because he loves you and he would tell you I did it for 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 you do you believe me that's how we love one another we allow God's love to flow through us you ever have a hard time loving someone else just be reminded of God's love for you Let's pray. Jesus, we lift our conversations and our concerns to you, Jesus. And today, God, I pray that those who do not know you would come to know you, Jesus, that they would know your love. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to your children in their heart right now. Holy Spirit, were still sinners, you died for us. Like you love in spite of our imperfections. You love in spite of how much we have to learn and grow. You love in spite of all of these things. And you still went to a cross even though we deny you. You still love us. Question. 
you believe that Jesus was who he said he was? And do you believe that Jesus loves you? If you do, lift up your hand. steps card it says follow Jesus I want to invite you if that's you today to just follow Jesus begin continue something you just need to talk with somebody about your relationship with Jesus check off the box that says follow Jesus and we're going to contact you we'll just give you a Bible talk with you about it make sure that you know and what it means to follow Jesus if you want to get baptized we're going to be doing baptisms on Easter Sunday if baptism is something I just said it and you went that's me let us know right now put it down get baptized going to be doing them on Easter Sunday. Um, it's going to be a special day for us. And so we'd love to have you be a part of that celebration that time. And I want to encourage you, and don't think for a minute, but my life is not perfect. You don't have to be perfect in order to get baptized. Baptism is just an expression of what's already deemed you perfect in the eyes of God. But we'll help walk that through with you. Uh, if you want to join a serve team, or you want to get more involved or plugged in, whatever that may be, just let us know. You take that Brave Steps card and you do a brave thing, you go back to Brave Central and just turn it into somebody. Or if you want to be discreet, put it in the give basket or something on the bins on the way out and we'll call you. Okay? Hey, can I just tell you I love you? I do. I care about you. I care about your well-being. 
physical and spiritual. So go for a run, go for a walk, eat healthy, read the word of God. Amen. All right, take care. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.